Thank you for listening to Drinking with Authors. This podcast contains adult themes, adult language, adult subjects, including alcohol, sex, and solipsistic existential nihilism. Now we ask if you are drinking along with us to please drink and listen responsibly. Okay, welcome to Drinking with Authors. Woo! Okay, I'm your host, Erica Lance. With me today is... J.M. Pickett. And our guest today is the amazing, and wow, my God, so many books, Audra <laughs> Candle. Like I was oh, blown away, blown away. I'm like, you're you're what people need to be jealous about. Okay, we're going to get into that. Let's talk about, we talk about what we're drinking. So this morning it's morning when we're recording and like an adult i made um coffee and put honey jack and creamer in it and i realized as i'm drinking it i maybe made honey jack with creamer and tasted it with a little coffee that's what i that's what i feel is going on i'm a completely responsible adult um jen what are you drinking for us today i don't drink so i'm drinking a lovely blueberry cinnamon crumble coffee it's delightful Mm. She's Ooh. not an elitist. She's allergic to alcohol. Allergic to alcohol. No <laughs> fun. Epic drunk dr- No. Designated driver. Yeah. Designated driver. <laughs> I remember like, thing. Yes, that's never a good thing. Trust me. Okay. Carter, what are you drinking for us? I am drinking a Hawaiian Angel, which is uh, pineapple juice, cranberry juice, and coconut rum. Oh, my goodness. It oh my goodness. Seriously good. Yeah. Yes. It sounds yeah. kind of like one of those drinks where you'll just keep drinking it and then not be able to stand up after a while. Yeah, that's pretty much what it is. Um my my daughter and son-in-law brought home the recipe from their honeymoon. We lived in Hawaii for five years. My first two kids were born there, but I never had one of these. It took them going to Hawaii on their honeymoon to um to bring it back. And my husband was like this is seriously good. So. <laughs> <laughs> I would say so. That's one of those. Uh, yeah. No, there's a couple drinks like that. This coffee might end up being like that, where you just keep drinking it. And you're like, I'm good. I'm good. All over when you stand up. Okay. So for the audience to get to know you, first of all, you're, you write all over the place, but do talk, tell the audience a little bit about you and what you write. I write romance and, um, I, I write it in a lot of zip, different genres. I always say I write romance in all types and forms. Um, I started out uh, writing YA paranormal romance, and that was fun. You know, most of us who started at a certain time wrote that. <laughs> so um, oh, I'm certainly God. not. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Twilight, exactly, exactly. Um, and then I, and I planned, I never planned to, I, I think I planned to uh, go into new adult because new adult was just starting to, um, to be a thing at the time that I finished my first four, after I finished my first four books, which were YA. But before I could go into new adult, I had a, um, a kind of a fully formed adult contemporary romance just download into my head. And I wrote that. And I found out that writing adult books was super, super fun. And I did <laughs> not ever go back to YA again. So um, that's been a little bit of a challenge with, with you know, some publishers, some um, PR people and whatever. But uh, we're in the middle of segmenting uh, all of my books so that all my paranormal will be under my other pen, one of my other pen names. Um, 
so it's it's a project though you know there's 15 books and they all have to be recovered and reformatted and redone so anyway but wow I, yeah what a problem to have i, I have know 15 i know books that i have to read. <laughs> well you know <laughs> it no, is what I, it is yeah no, but I, it is a problem but i think it's a yeah. great problem to have like that's not a, yeah. a bad problem to have no it's um, not and then you also write erotica correct I write erotic romance. Okay. Um, it, 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 it probably, some of them kind of skirt the erotica um, line, but yes, I do. I write um, erotic romance under Tessa Kent. Um, all of my pen names have the TK initial because as I'm getting old, I can't remember. <laughs> so I know I, it's at least if it has the TK, I'm like, oh yeah, that works. Um, actually, it was a branding. It was a branding idea. So yeah, so uh, erotic romance is Tessa Kent. Paranormal romance is Tamara Kendall. And that name came from the fact that I have horrible handwriting. And when um, when we lived in Hawaii, actually, I would write and I would get um, letters back from people who address me as... Pamela Kendall instead of Todra Kendall because my T's were made and they look like T. <laughs> so I was like, hey, let's, I can't use Pamela, let's do Tamara Kendall. So yeah, so that's that. And then uh, my my mainline contemporary romance is under my own name, Todra. That's so. very cool. So when did you first start writing? Uh, my first published piece, I was 12 years old and I published a um, uh paranormal, you know, young, it wasn't even young adult. It would have been, you know, uh, a short story in a magazine called Ch a child's life. And, um, that was my that first day. Yeah, yeah. You remember that? Yeah, I do. absolutely. It had different games and stuff in it. Uh -huh. yes. you find it in, like dentist's office all the time. Uh, absolutely. Yes. So, um, yeah. So I, and I still have that copy happily. My mother saved it and framed it and whatever. So I was like, Hey, good. I still have that. Um, so yeah, so I, I, that was when I was, uh, 11, 12. And then I took a, um, hiatus of 30 years and, um, <laughs> you know, got married, had four children, homeschooled them, moved around a lot. Um, wrote, had a lot of different ideas. Most of my writing though, in those days was for, I wrote my own homeschool curriculum and, um, I wrote a lot of nonfiction, uh, for different, different, uh, things. And then, um, in 2008, I read Twilight and I read the second book and I got hooked in with Twi Moms. And then a group of us formed a, um, a sub group of, of people who were writing books and had been inspired to do so you know, based on Twilight. And so by, by December of 2008, my first book was finished and that was fearless. Um, and I shopped it around with publishers, went to New York, had an agent, did all this stuff for, you know, like two and a half years. And, um, one, my best friend was a blogger and had a, a book promotion company. That's Mandy Stevens. And she said, people are doing this thing called indie publishing. You should totally do it. Um, and so I was like, Hey, why not? And I knew nothing. Oh my gosh. I was greener than green, green, green. I didn't know anything, but I hit publish and that was in 2011 and yeah, like almost a hundred books later and 
Ah, this almost is so nine, dizzying. I'm almost so nine years. Clear. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Wow. So yeah. yeah, that's, I have to do math in my head. It's 10 years. How many books it's, a year is that? Yeah. It's, it'll be, it'll be nine years this December that I've been published. So yeah. That's had, amazing. So you, you have to, when you sit down and write, how many words per minute or, or I'm not words per minute, but how many, um, uh, words do you get done in like, uh, say two hours? How long, how many words? Um, in two hours, if I sit down and devote myself to it, I can probably get, uh, three to 5,000 words done. Wow. Um, that's, wow. yeah, that's, that's not, that's not normal. No, I not usually, at all. Well, no, no, no. I mean, it's not oh. normal for me even to sit down and actually do it. I will, I will sit down and if, if I'm sprinting with somebody and I have the like I, I, I've been, I have a, a, a coach who had us do like this test and we decided that I'm a, what am I? I'm like a, a, an obliger. I'm an obliger. So if I'm with somebody and they are, and I'm sprinting with them, I will get uh, for an hour, I will get 1500 to 2000 words done. But if I'm just left to my own devices, I'll get, oh, maybe 800, 900, and then I'll go do something else or whatever. But, um, uh, when I'm when I'm really under the gun, I can I can write almost ten thousand words in a day. Um, yeah, I've been known wow. to do that. So I've wanted to change my process. I really love this idea of like saying I'm going to write a book and write two thousand words a day or whatever, but it it never works for me. So well, and I I think you know obviously what you're doing is working for you. So I wouldn't even. Yeah think to change that you know as an yeah. author I'm jealous you say that and I'm like how long did it take me to write my last 10,000 words well, I need to speed up um so, um so let's let's talk about uh you know your writing process so obviously if you sit down and you can do 10,000 words in a day do you do you like to are you a plotter do you plan like how what is your process I've always said I'm a pantser, but um, my friend Serena Bowen, who I absolutely, absolutely love, um, she writes the best hockey books, and uh, she has a series called True North set in Vermont. If you have not read her, you should read her. Um, she posted something the other day saying that that she was like a gardener, that she planted these things, and she wasn't always sure how they were going to come out. She had it like she had a rough idea what it was going to look like, but she didn't know how the process was going to go completely. And that's exactly that. That describes the process very well for me. I know my characters. I am a character driven author. Like I, I could tell you anything about a character soon after I get to know them. Um, but I don't always know what's going to happen with them. I just um, for the releases I'm doing this summer, I. I had a, a beta reader finish the first book last night and she called me on something I had uh, written in the blurb for the second book and said, you, you know, this is a mistake. I said, yeah, the characters went in a different direction. It, it wasn't a huge mistake. Most people wouldn't rec wouldn't even pick it up, but she did and she's right and I'm, and I'm changing it. But um, sometimes the characters take you in a different way that, that you intended to go. So I have found that if I try to, um, make an outline and stick to it strictly, I am always, I am stymied. They, they don't like that. They'll just sit there and say, well, I'll, I'll just wait till you're ready to do it my way. And then <laughs> when you're ready to do it my way, then we can go on with life. Um, so my process is basically that I, I have the characters, I have 
a rough idea of where they're going to start. Um, I know where they're going to finish. And what happens in between, um, I'll usually write maybe two to three chapters, and then I'll sit down and just jot down on a, on a document, like chapter and this, and this is what I expect to happen. It almost never sticks to it. You know, either a chapter will have more stuff in it that I didn't even expect, or um, something that I think is going to be one chapter stretches into three for whatever reason. Um, but but it generally follows that guideline. And there's times that I I get to a point and I'm like, no, um, this one in this chapter before the end doesn't need to be there. It's it's just not it's just not going to work and it doesn't it doesn't feel right. So I'll leave it out and I'll just go on to the end. I'm really good at the ends. Like I, I really like when I'm, when I am close to the end, I can just like, I, I am just, just, there's no stopping me. I will, I can just pound out the words then it's the, it's the in-between stuff. Do you write in chronological order? Like you start at the beginning and you just run through the story or do you write like specific scenes and then fill in gaps? Um, I usually write in chronological order. Um, there have been times when I have gone ahead to write an ending if, if, a specific um, dialogue has just popped into my head. Um, most of my dialogue comes to me when I'm not sitting in front of the computer. I've, I've started dictating more because I can be doing laundry. I can, you know, I have a very glamorous life. So I can be doing laundry or mopping the floor or doing <laughs> dishes or something. And, and that's when it like the, the best dialogue comes to me. So I've started keeping my phone where I can just, you know, dictate it in there so that, um, it's, it's there, but generally I write in chronological order. Yeah. So what is the longest series you have? You have several series, which one is the longest? How many books is the longest? Um, the longest one is 12, 12 books. It's love in a small town. I think it's 12 books, um, with the prequel. Um, and that's, that is set in a small town in Georgia. That's my longest ongoing series. Is it the same characters or is it one of those ones where it flips to new characters in each yeah. book? Yeah, it, it is. It flips to new characters in each book, but all of the characters make appearances in all of the books. So Do you have a hard time keeping, so you say you get to know your characters. Mm-hmm. Do you keep any sort of, um, uh, some people call it their writing Bible or their, you know, like encyclopedia of characters. Do you keep notes like that on your characters? I do for my paranormal because it's very complex. And because my paranormal world is um, divided into several series, but it's all one world and it all comes to one. It all, it all came, I should say, to one um, book where all the characters were there. So I did have a series Bible for that kind of a world Bible. Um, I have not for my contemporary. And part of that is because I do like Sam and Megan are my, f- the, the first couple from the love in a small town book. They're the, the, um, two leads in the last one, which ironically was the first book in that series. <laughs> um, you know, just a little confusing. Um, but I can okay. tell you, I can tell you what Sam and Megan are doing now. I actually, um, did some bonus. Uh, that book was reached recently featured by BookBub, So I did some bonus content, um, as a, uh, that if people signed up for my newsletter, they got the bonus content. And I already had some things that had happened. Like I'd written, um, a couple of beach stories for them. Um, I wrote a 4th of July story for them one year. Um, 
but I just did an update on, on where they were. And I knew I like it did. It took me maybe half an hour to write it because I already knew what they were doing. If, if you said to me, okay, what is, where are Sam and Megan today? I would be able to tell you, well, you know, it's that time of year. Sam's out in the field a lot, even on a Sunday. And, you know, Megan's got this going on and I, I just know it. (laughs) So you said, no, that's awesome. So you said a fan wrote you about a blurb. Do you ever find that your fans come up to you and talk to you about specifics in your book? And you're like, what are you talking about? Like, do you, you have a lot of books, like that many books. Like, I think it's interesting because I feel like fans get into, especially the paranormal, or you go more sci-fi. Like, sci-fi, I feel like they know that crap backwards and forwards. I agree. And then, you know, even, like, as I'm working on sequels to my books, I'll go back and kind of read a little bit where, you know, read parts of the book and stuff like that. Or I remember I got to go back to this chapter, and I'll read it and go, oh, yeah, that was really funny. I forgot I put that in there. (laughs) And then, you know, people will go, do you remember this thing about this? And I'm like, sure. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Oh, no. yeah. That was, that was no. a good point let's, for me. <laughs> yeah. Let's, let's go get it. Let's, uh, what are you doing now? <laughs> <laughs> um, mostly, no, mostly I remember there's, there's maybe a few books that I'm not quite, that I haven't done a lot of rereads on, or I haven't thought about them. Um, my military books, my military romance books, um, I wrote them very quickly and at a, at a, um, kind of a very stressful time in life. And so I, I think somebody did say something to me like, Oh, remember when this happened? I was like, Oh yeah, of course I do. And then I went back and looked and I was like, Oh yeah, good. <laughs> that, that was, <laughs> um, yay. Um, and, and, you know, some of them, some of them, uh, maybe there might be a couple of scenes here and there, but by and large, by and large, I, I tend to remember them all sometimes more than I do my own children's lives. <laughs> you know. Oh, well, yeah. That's yeah. awesome. So let's talk about, so you decided to go the indie route without even, and you went the indie route when the indie route was still sort of uh, blossoming or budding or yeah. whatever the part of gardening is, which I don't know. So my <laughs> but our seedling seedlings. Yes. Um so we what was that like? Talk you know, when you're starting off when it was still a little bit of a oh my gosh, she's an indie pop, you know, like they it, the it bad was. word on Yeah, it was I was in New York in um 2010, in November of 2010, to meet with my agent and to meet with some publishers. And, um, the, the problem that we were having at that point was that I had three books already written. And first of all, they were thinking that, um, paranormal YA wasn't going to stay around too much longer. Um, I didn't agree with them. Yeah, I I didn't. I mean, if I had been a, if I had been a, like a, a baby 25 year old author at that point, I probably would have believed them, but I was in my forties and I was like, look, I've had four children. I, I've been around the block. I know, <laughs> you know, you're, you're not going to, you're not going to tell me as, as one of my friends says, you're not the boss of me. Um, and, and I, but I remember talking to this one agent who said to me and to another author there, um, if you self-publish, it's the kiss of death and you will never be touched by a publisher, an agent or anybody else. You may as well just, that's it. 
And like four years later, I wrote back to her and said, hey, do you remember when you said this? And she was like, shut up. You know? <laughs> um, but at that point, that was what they were thinking. I mean, New York was desperately, I think some people knew what was coming, but they were desperately holding on to the reins of power and this idea that they were the gatekeepers and that they were doing us all a favor. And, and I, I will say that there have been times that I've read certain books and thought, yeah, they were doing us a favor because this should never have been published. But um, but in the majority of what I have read uh, from indie authors is so good that I'm so grateful that 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 we went that route. It was it was um, it was daunting. We didn't know what we were doing in the beginning. Um, my you know my husband did a cover for me. God bless him. And he's a priest. He's not a cover designer. Let's just say that. And. Um, <laughs> Yeah, but but he really I didn't know anything about what I was doing. I didn't know anything about computers. I didn't I really knew very little. I learned a lot very quickly. And um I had friends who were wonderful about saying, "Let me teach you this or let me do this for you and then I'll teach you how to do it." I like you need a newsletter, you need this, you need that. Um I had no idea how to go about doing a paperback. I had no idea that you could put your books on other vendors. You know, that took me about six months to learn. Um, it was it was just a time, though, when there was a lot of opportunity. Um, and I'm glad I was there. I wish I had known more going in um, because I think there's a lot of authors who really captured a, a great fan base. And, and I did in a lot of ways. You know, I have a lot of readers who have been with me since 2011, since that first book. Um, but it was, it was really exciting. I never would have wanted to do it any other way. Um, I went I became hybrid in 2015. And I learned that what my mother had always said about me that I don't play well with others wasn't fact exactly true because <laughs> I did not like giving control over things to somebody. I didn't like not, I was so used to when I did promotion, I saw my numbers right away and I knew how to react. Like if I saw, if I saw something dropping, I knew what to do. I wasn't getting my numbers for, you know, like, um, three months, you know, they, they would say, if you want to see, you, you know, these numbers, then you have to write to us and make a request and we'll try to get them to you within 90 days. Well, 90 days, forget it. I mean, that's, that's like a lifetime in this, in this business. So, um, yeah, I, I quickly decided that I I'm better at doing it myself. So I have one series that is uh, partly hybrid published and that's okay. That's, that's, you know, that's working. Um, and my paperbacks, some of my paperbacks are still through diversion, but, um, we're in the midst of pulling that back. But, uh, yeah, I, I love being an indie, an author and I am, I am passionate about it and I, I speak about it quite a bit. So, so let's talk a little bit about being an indie author, because one of the things mm -hmm. we talk about a lot on this podcast, because we've had both, we have, um, you know, people who are full indie, we've had people that are uh, a mix of both. We have people that have gone through small presses too. I mean, right. there is not, uh, there, there's not two ways to do this. There is not yeah. just traditional and indie. There are a lot of ways. And I think, you know, I, I, we also started a, a, a publishing company and one of the goals we had is like, we, we have to change this. We have to change how publishing companies are too. Cause I think it's really important to do indie, but I think your tenacity and what you've done 
not that everybody can't do that. It's just, it's kind of like I, I, and whiskey's hitting. I believe people have different <laughs> sort of superpowers and, and abilities yeah. and things in a certain way. And they think in a certain way, like, um, I, I, for instance, um, I can do home repair stuff, but I'm not one of those people that can inherently look at plumbing or electricity and figure out, even if somebody explains it to me, I'm still like, but, you know, I can lay some tile because I can figure that out, but I can't yeah. like, that's just not how my brain works. Yeah. And so I think there's a lot of people that we, there has to be this, this different thing where they're not trapped trying to get an agent or trying to do something because I feel like really traditional, it's changing a little bit, but there are just boxes and you, there's boxes they lay out and sometimes they add additional boxes, but they're very tentative about those, you know, hesitant about the additional box they put out there. Sometimes they only want to put one person in that box to see how that box is going to go, which is never a good trial for how that box is going to go. And, but so we have to do something different, but talk a little bit about how you make yourself a good independent author, because it's not just like I put up a book, like I did a book and it's a great idea and I put up a book. So I'm a great indie author. So talk a little bit about that. <laughs> I think sometimes people don't realize there are actual, like this is a business. Oh, yeah, so, that you have to treat it. You really have to treat it like a business. And that was something that was um, a growth curve for me because I had been um, a stay-at-home homeschooling mom for 20 years before I published, you know, over 20 years. Um, so it was, it, was, it was definitely a growth curve, um, but I purposed that I wanted this to be successful. Um, I published... Uh, the year that my husband graduated from seminary, but which was his third career, he'd been in the army, then he'd been in business, and then he felt the call and went to seminary. So um, I really felt a lot of, uh, not pressure, but I felt like it was it was incumbent on me to do something that I, I already had these books, so I was really excited about getting them out there. Um, it had begun to dawn on me that I wasn't going to get, I wasn't going to get the deal that I wanted with um, a publisher because there were things that I wasn't willing to change. Um, and so I was very excited to launch my own books. And, and then, as I said, I learned a lot and I realized that I had a capacity for learning and for, um, and for implementing what I learned that I had really had been untapped before this. Uh, and it was cool. It was really, really cool. I still love it. I mean, you know, I am, I've just finished a week long, um, stint at InkersCon, which is of course all digital this year. And I just love, you know, for me, like it's my reward. I say, okay, if I get 3000 words in, then I can watch um, a workshop. Like I can watch Mallory Cooper talk about ads and, and, and whatever. And that is so cool for me. Um, I, you know, it's, it's, it's just, I'm a very lucky person that I love both ends of the business. I love writing and I love marketing. And, um, so I don't dread it. And there's a lot of people who love the writing part, but hate, 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 hate the marketing. Um, and there's a lot of other people who, who are really good at the marketing, but maybe, you know, the writing is harder for them. Um, so I, I really, I do, I treat it as a business. It is, it has supported our family. I've been a full-time author, uh, for quite a while. And, um, and it's, it's really, 
there are so many great opportunities and great tools out there as as uh, indie authors now. Um, the indie publishing business has birthed so many other, um, you know, businesses that that we wouldn't have thought about ten years ago. Um, I mean, just look around Bookbub. Um, Bookbub wasn't a thing. We, we, you know, we, we just wouldn't yeah. have done it. Um, vellum formatting, um, formatters. One of my best friends started out as my assistant, learned to format, um, as a favor to me. And now she formats for all the biggest authors. I mean, that is her and that's supporting her family. And I, I just think that's the coolest thing in the world is that we, we were able to, you know, uh, we have virtual assistants, we have bloggers who are making, making a living doing all this, um, yeah, it's very cool. So on average, how much of your day is, like, how's your day split? How much is spent writing and how much is marketing? Uh, it depends on the day. I tend to have a very fluid schedule. Um, generally, I try to look at my marketing first because I'm not a morning person. So I'm not one of these people who gets up and writes, you know, immediately as soon as I open my eyes. Um I need my coffee. I need a little bit of downtime. So for me, doing the marketing, checking my ads, um, reading email, responding to readers, doing all this kind of stuff, checking in, um, that probably I probably devote an hour to that. But it's a nice leisurely hour. It's not frantic. It's just kind of like, okay, I'll do this. And I might be doing something else. Or I might be having breakfast with one of my kids or I don't know, doing something like that. Uh, my my son, if he's having breakfast, we're probably listening to um uh, one of his favorite podcasts. Um, and, and then I will generally write between say 10 and two. Um, and that's off and on, like, that's not, that's not chained to the desk writing. That's writing a little bit, um, getting up to let out the dogs because, you know, (laughs) they have to be, they have to do that. Um, and depending on what else is going on in the world, if, if, you know, my kids need something or if I have to respond to somebody, um, I am, um, I'm president of NINC this year. And so there's usually something that falls in that, that I end up having to address too. Um, so, and then I'll do marketing again toward the end of the day, just checking again, my ads, checking, um, answering things, you know, seeing what needs to be done, what needs to be tweaked. Um, and then I'll generally, uh, do something at night. At night, I try to work on my newsletter. Uh, you know, my husband, if, when my husband's home, we'll sit down and have our coffee or no, we don't have coffee at night anymore. Now we have hot chocolate. Um, and <laughs> yes. long story. Yes. Um, uh, and we'll, we'll watch, you know, we used to watch TV when, when there was actually like new TV there. And uh, now we're like scrambling to find new stuff to watch. Um, so we do that. And then I'll be working on my newsletter because I send out a newsletter every Friday. So I try to work on it a little bit every night so that it's Friday, you know, by Thursday night, it's ready to send out. Um, and sometimes I'll write a little bit too. So it's kind Very of intersprinkled. Cool. Yeah. Okay. We have to take a quick break, quick break time, but we will be right back. 
Hey, thank you for listening to Drinking With Authors. We wanted to let you know that if you're an aspiring author out there and you'd like to be on our podcast, you can email us at drinkingwithauthors at gmail.com. Or if you guys have a question, comment, want to tell us some little tidbit of interesting news, you can always direct message us or comment on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. We love that you're listening. We love that you're out there. And we look forward to hearing from you. And we're back. Cool. Yes, we are back. Okay. So you were just talking about um, sort of how your week goes and things like that. Mm -hmm. But I'm curious uh, a little bit on your covers are beautiful and stuff like that. So covers, typesetting, let's let's go down this little route a little bit because (laughs) you can have the best book in the entire world. And depending on what you do with editing, typesetting, beta readers. I think these are some of the things that people don't realize are part of the process, not even the marketing of the book or whatever, but yes, I guess marketing. Cause to me, cover typesetting is marketing. That's not, that's not a piece of the, the actual, like in a way creative process. And I think people lump it into the quote unquote creative process. What are your thoughts on that? I um, started out not really caring about covers. I'll be honest. I, like I said, my husband did my first one and I really didn't even think about it. It did not even occur to me. Um, but my, the, my first book has, I believe it's currently had six covers and is about to get its seventh with the new name. Um, I really think now that covers are extremely important. Um, I have taught myself to pay attention to trends. It's not, it's, that's not, um, natural for me. It's not something, it's not intuitive, um, because I am not a, a highly visual person when it comes to that kind of thing. I don't look at a cover and go, Oh my gosh, I've got to read this book. I I read the description and then I go, Oh, I have to read this book. Um, so that's, that's more my thing, but I do, uh, think that covers are really, really important. And I can look at this point now and basically say to somebody, no, don't, don't put out a book with this cover. Um, I work with a lot of authors who are just starting out and, um, you know, they say, well, I can't afford a cover. I can't afford this, but there are so many cover artists out there and some of them are super, super reasonable. I mean, you can, you can get a fairly professional cover. I'm going to say between 50 and a hundred dollars. I I'm not saying it's going to be the best cover that you're ever going to get, but it's out there. There's some really excellent pre-mades. Um, and, and it is worth investing in because if you're going to go to all the trouble to put your book up there, don't put it up with something that looks, you know, that looks like you threw it together. And I am not at all somebody who can make covers. So that is one thing I've learned to do a lot of things for myself, but, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, that's a, again something. Adobe, I, I just don't, I don't get it. I don't. It's way too complex. No. Like I can do Excel spreadsheets with pivot tables. Like I can go crazy on that. And then I get into Adobe, and I'm like, I have no idea what's happening here. No, no, <laughs> no. I, I've I've made temporary ones, like you know the ones that say cover coming soon, and and my cover. I I work with um, two different cover artists, and they will like come to me and be like please don't do that again. (laughs) (laughs) Just put a picture of one of your puppies on the cover and say coming soon. It's going to be better. That's basically what I should do. (laughs) I think it's interesting though, because like, I think a lot of people get into 
this cover needs to symbolize the art and symbolize the story. And one of the things that I, I often tell authors and is no, it doesn't like, you know, people, uh-huh. we, we joke like that Fabio was on 466 romance covers yeah. and inside the book. It wasn't Fabio inside the book at all. Probably yeah. of any of them. Okay. No. Can I, can I just jump in? I had a, a recent experience cause I'm one of those people and I'm like, but my character has blonde hair. You can't put a dark haired person on the cover. Right. This is a discussion we always have. I just read a book. I'm reading a series and and all right, uh, it's supposed to be a reverse harem. I am book three already in the series, and there's been a, a kiss, a single kiss. So I feel already like it's been advertised improperly. Um, on the third cover, there is a pregnant woman. I was like, oh, my God, finally, finally something's going to happen. <laughs> no, no, that whole book, there is a second kiss. I, have, I, I got book four, and I'm like, you know what? I don't know that I want to read you anymore because I feel like I've been lied to twice. Wow. Yeah, I, I you know, I'm not a... I, I'm not a big fan of reverse harem um, for a lot of different reasons. Not, I'm not knocking it. It's just a personal thing. Mm-hmm. However, I did not realize, I assumed whenever I, I heard the, the term the first time, I assumed they had to be really sexy books. But I guess, no, there's this whole clean reverse harem thing, which to me sounds like a contradiction in terms. Like, exactly. I mean, no, I, I, I think it is a complete contradiction in terms. And that's yeah. that's part of it. And it's kind of to your point, like you talked about the blurb. You're a blurb. Um, right. You get sucked in by the blurb. I actually agree with you. I'll see the cover and go, "What? What's this?" And then I'll I'll go to the blurb to see what it says. And if it doesn't interest me, if it doesn't grab me, throw the book. Like it doesn't matter. Yeah. You know. Even right. sometimes authors I really like, I go, oh, um, "That uh, doesn't sound interesting at all." Yeah. So, um, how do you feel about uh, you know holistically marketing? And so let's talk about blurbs for a minute. How how were you with blurbs when you started out? Um, I worked a long, long, long time on the blurb um, for my first book. And then I had help, I think, with the second or third. And now it's it's pretty intuitive. But I changed them a lot. I will change um, mostly because of how Amazon shows the blurb and how they change it. Because uh, they, they used to show the whole blurb. And now they only show what three lines, something like that. Yeah. And um, I also, you know, I can change the font size. I can change to make it bold or whatever. So I try to um, mix it up. You want to grab the reader with that that you know first couple lines. With this series, this trilogy that I'm releasing this year, I um, I'm in a group and we just like. Oh my gosh. I think we, oh, for the first blurb, we like weeks and weeks and weeks agonized over it because it's a brand new series for me. And, uh, it was, you know, it took a long time. I'm happy with what it said. I mean, I have to, I have to change the second, the, the blurb for the second book, um, as I said, but, um, you know, it's, it's got to tell you enough about the story that you want to read it not give away too much. But what I find with new authors is that they don't want to say anything. Um, my son-in-law, for instance, released his first couple books this year, and he writes completely different genre than I do. But I was going over his blurbs, and I was like, well, you have to give a little bit more than this. And he says, well, I don't want, it, I don't want them to, to get, you know, I don't want to tell them too much about the story, but you have to tell enough that somebody understands they're going to be interested in it. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, let's, let's be real. If, if I'm releasing a romance, you know, 
pretty quickly when you're reading a romance who the characters are going to be. And if it's a romance, you know that they're going to end up together at the end, mostly. Okay. Now in this trilogy, there's it's that that I'm doing right now. It's cliffhanger, so we don't you know we don't know specifically, but you you have a fairly good idea, right? So you know you it's that's okay. That's something that that you can give away in the blurb. And I, I try to tell people you have to give enough you know, to, uh, you, you can't be, you can't be like a nun all covered up and then expect somebody to be excited about the goods underneath it. (laughs) (laughs) That is a great analogy. (laughs) You know, um, so that's, that's definitely something I've learned, uh, over the years. And, and yet you don't want to give too much. Like you don't want to tell, you don't want to write the whole book in the blurb. You don't want to say, and then they have this friend. Well, you know, the friend is a secondary. She doesn't really matter. Um, when I, for my sports trilogy, um, I redid the blurbs when I redid the covers last year. And I had a reader come up to me at Coastal Magic and say, I love these books. I absolutely loved them. I wanted to throw them a couple of times, but I love them. But she said, you changed the blurbs while I was reading them. And you took away the idea of it being a love triangle. And I said, yeah, because I was focusing more on this. She said, no, 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 no. You got to put this back in. It's, it's got to be clear that this is, this is a triangle. So, um, you know, I did actually go back and, and change that a little bit, but, uh, um, you know, it's, it's a process. And that's the other cool thing about being indie. If I was, if I was a trad author and I know that this works for some people, but for me, it doesn't. Um, if I was a trad author, I would have to go to my publisher and say, uh, my editor and say, uh, you know, I'm getting a lot of feedback about this blurb. Can we change it? And it might be a year. I mean, it, 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 it could be like a lot of discussion, a lot of time. I can, I can change a blurb in, in an hour and have it up on all vendors. And that's, that's just the world we live in. And, you know, and then if it doesn't work, I can change it again. Nobody's going to, you know, nobody's going to penalize me. Same with the covers. No, that's true. And it is, it is one of the, the, perks to being um, more indie, you you know, you talked a little bit about a few times about fan feedback. Let's talk about fans for a little bit. I'm I'm assuming you have a beta writer, beta writer group. That's not even a a beta reader group. (laughs) Yes. Words put together in a sentence. Okay. (laughs) A beta reader group. Um, And so how much do your fans or reviews or how, how does that work for you as far as feedback? Um, I don't read reviews too much. I mean, they're there. Um, and somebody told me very early on in my career, uh, reading reviews will only keep you up at night and not give you any information because unless you know the person who's writing them and they're actually telling you something constructive, it really doesn't, you know, it doesn't, you don't know if that person had a bad day or if that person absolutely, you don't know what they came to your book expecting and what they came to your book, um, wanting. And so that's, I thought that's very good advice. You know, I've had, I, I know from, uh, just here and there that I've had people who've read my books and said, there's too much sex in them. And then I've had people saying they only did it three times, you know, so you're never <laughs> going to make everybody happy. Right. Um, and for me, just as an aside, that is a very character dependent thing. There are characters who are going to have a lot more sex because that's just who they are. And that's the, their relationship. That's the expression of it. Then there's others who are not. And there's a reason why, you know, it, it works. You have to trust the characters anyway. Um, yeah. So I, I get a great, you know, I get feedback from my betas and they will say to me, um, uh, last night, as I said, I got one from, 
from one of my my beta readers and I just saw the message come up across my phone and she said, GAD, G-A-H, and like all caps and exclamation point. I'm like, oh, she finished the first book. (laughs) (laughs) And so, yeah, and she had, she was like, I can't believe you left us here. And um, I will admit, I got a little bit of joy out of that. That was fun. I was like, hey, good. That's the exact reaction I wanted from that book because these books are releasing a week apart. So I'm not asking people to wait six months. They are cliffhangers. The first two are cliffhangers. I freely admit that, but I'm releasing them July 21st, July 28th, and August 4th. So, you know, I'm not asking, I'm not asking anybody to wait months and months, which I did with my football books. So, um, so I feel that that's a fair trade-off, you know? No, I totally. Think that, I think that works. Yeah. And and it's an inter- interesting you say that about the reviews thing, because um, there's a lot of people that, uh, you know, I, I say like, if you're going to, if you're going to look at the reviews and read the reviews again, you have to see, was this the book for that person? Right. Or as you put it, the book for that person at that time, because I also find like a friend of mine wrote a great blog blog article about how to give reviews. And he was talking about like, he put seven points to give a review because just going, yeah, I liked it. That's fine. That's fine. We all want five star. Yeah, I liked it. But if you're going to take the time to write a review, have something of worth and value in there because otherwise we're just reading it. And although, yes, we love pats on the back, but tell us why you liked it. Tell right. us what about the story you yes. enjoyed. What yes. about the characters you enjoyed? Because otherwise we as authors can't learn anything from that experience with the reader. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Absolutely. And, um, you know, when I see somebody say either in a post or an email or, or a message or something, and they say, I just, you know, I fell in love with this character. I want this character to be my best friend, or I want this character to be my boyfriend, or I want, you know, why can't I meet somebody like Leo? I really like, you know, Leo is who I want. Um, I know that I did my job because that was my point was it's the character for me. It's, it's, um, you know, knowing more about, about the character and, and what motivates them, how they act, the mistakes they make. Um, it's, it's all part of it. So yeah, that's very important. Do you ever think about, so you've written YA and you did paranormal romance and you've done Mm -hmm. erotic romance and Mm -hmm. clean romance and uh, all, do you I haven't done any clean romance, just no clean romance. No, 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 except for, except for those first four YA books. Yeah. Got it. Okay. Yeah. So sorry. Sorry. (laughs) There's nothing clean about her. Just pay attention. Okay. Um, But do you ever think about writing in a different genre, like totally different genre? Like mystery or you have some some suspense romantic suspense right Uh, i don't have romantic suspense i have um in my paranormal series uh, the recipe for death books are i call them paramystery because they're paranormal mystery um and you know there's there's always a murder and and it's you know how jackie and and lucas go about finding out the you know the whole story um I have not tried just a straight mystery, and by straight I mean you know non-paranormal. Um, I love to read mysteries. I you know I'm a big fan of uh, of of a lot of different mystery writers, um, and I do like romantic suspense. It just hasn't been something I've been called to yet. However, I have a a pen name in the wings, uh, T.J. Cove. 
And I have a series of books laid out for T.J. Cove to write that are romantic suspense that fall more into the spy, um, the the kind of kind of a pseudo thriller, but uh, you know, with a, an undercurrent of romance. So we'll see. Those are, but those are probably a couple years in the offing because there's a lot of other books for the other pen names to work on. Um, I have one reader who has been with me from my very first book who is dying for me to write. Stephen King like horror because she and I are both <laughs> Stephen King fans. So she's always like, I just want you to write horror. I'm like, I love Stephen King. I don't think I have horror in me. Maybe I do. Maybe one of these days I will. I don't know. I, I never say never, but, um, you know, uh, the only things I will say that I really don't see myself ever writing are, um, pure fantasy or science fiction. I, again, enjoy reading some of it, it's just not my thing to write. Um, I, I have huge admiration for anybody who can, but it's just not been my, it's not what I'm called to. It's not what I'm passionate about. No, that, and it has to be what you're passionate about. I, I, I totally agree. So you have your um, YA paranormal series. Uh, are you going to do more YA or, cause you talked about that a little in the beginning. I do remember that through my, my <laughs> coffee using quotation marks. But. I, I don't intend to write any more YA that I know of. Now, having said that, I'm, I'm putting this caveat. I have a granddaughter, um, who is 17 months old. And if she gets to be in her, you know, say 11, 12 and says, Nana, write a book I can read beyond these four, maybe by that time, that's, that's in 10 years. I can, I can think about that. Um, I would like to, I would like to go back to my paranormal world at some point, but I had, um, segued from, so the first four books are the YA and then, um, it goes into new adult. The, the next two books after it are new adult with characters from that YA series. But, you know, by this time they've graduated from high school, they're in college, um, or college age. Um, and then, and then it's all pretty much adult from there out. Uh, the recipe for death books, which are also in the same world are adult. Definitely. Um, and then uh, Age of Aquarius, which is the book that brings everything together for those characters. Uh, I actually released that in both a um, an adult version and a PG-13 version because I had a lot of readers who had just read the first four YA books and did not want the sex and the cursing. So I you know, cleaned it up so that there would be an, another a version for them, too, to see what happened. Um, I don't know how they got past all the sex in the books between the YA series and that last book, but that's between them and their, and their books. So I don't, I don't need to know that. Um, but I did, even though that, even though the age of Aquarius kind of wrapped up the overarching storyline in, in that world, there are still openings for, I still would like to do some more recipe for death books. There's still plenty of opening there. Um, and there are some other side characters who, who have stories. Um, I would also like to go back to King, which is the, the town where the, uh, the YA books were set. And, um, I've always had in mind to do like an anthology of short stories about that town and about its founding. And it, it, it has a lot of history and a lot of really good history that has been alluded to, which I know, but readers don't necessarily know. So someday, you know, wow. Someday. I did. How are you not exhausted by all of this? Like I, we've been on for an hour and I'm like, I'm going to go take a nap. 
<laughs> oh my gosh, it sounds like so much work. How, how, wow, do you, I'm assuming you don't get writer's block. I'm assuming you get a life in the way. I mean, that's what I sometimes call writer's block is life in the way if you can't write. Yeah, that's, that's, um, yeah, I've never really had knock wood and I'm knocking wood. Um, I've never really had writer's block. If I, if I, if I get to a point in a book where I don't know what, it's going to happen next. I will jump ahead, write something that I do know. And then usually when I go back, it, it's the, you know, whatever I was having trouble with before is, is pretty clear. Or I change where I'm sitting, which I know sounds silly, but sometimes it can just be a change of scenery. Um, or I go out and do something in real life because sometimes your brain just is too focused on something and it needs to, um, you know, it needs something and I joke, but it, it needs something like vacuuming or mopping or whatever so that it can your your subconscious can be working in the background and then the problem is solved you know when you actually go back to think about it um so yeah it's um i don't have trouble with what i'm going to write um i have releases planned out for probably the next 4 years um I wow. sat down with, yeah, I sat down with. How my many team. books is that? How many books is that in the next four years? Right That's now? a really good question. Um, I think it's close to, it, it might be more longer than four years because I think it's close to like 40 books. I could be wrong though. I'm trying, it was all for, I know, right? Oh my gosh. It was all through, um, through series. So I'm trying to, I'm seeing if I have that here, but yeah, so it was, it was a lot. There's some series that I haven't been um, back to for a little bit, like the Crystal Cove series. Um, and I would, you know, I'd like to go back to that one. Um, so, you know, we'll see. There's, And then there's the ones that are, that there's more books coming out in my military. There's more books coming out in my football. Um, you know, I did not, I set out to write uh, standalones at first, after my first series. I thought when I wrote The Posse, which was my first uh, adult contemporary, that I was going to um, write a standalone. And I realized quickly that, I, that I'm not capable of doing that. Um, I, I just, like yeah. a, a writing superhero. Like you should have a superhero name and a cape and stuff. It's like superpowers. <laughs> No capes, no capes, epic superpowers. I mean, seriously, that's, it's unbelievable that, oh, I'm dizzy. I need my nap again. I need my nap again. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about um, advice you'd have for, because you, you do speak to a lot of um, up and coming writers, but I wouldn't just say up and coming writers. I'd say um, existing writers out there, you know, yeah. um, writing is an art form very much it like. Is or sculpting or any, any art form that there is constructing something. And, um, what advice would you give to authors? Like what, what would you tell them to do, not do the, the, the superhero, the floor is yours. But, um, you know, uh, it depends on, it really does depend on where somebody is in their process. If somebody has a book finished, um, I usually say, make sure that book is, as good as you can get it, you know, it should be polished. It should be edited. It should be, um, it should be ready to go. You should feel really good about this product because this is the product that you are going to be selling. And if you don't feel good about it, nobody else is going to feel good about it. You know, it, it comes through. Um, 
so once and if you have that and and you have really given it all the work you can um i always say you know try to have in the best of all worlds it's a good idea to have two or three books ready before you launch your first one especially if you're writing in a series I wish that I had known that. Um, it wasn't so important at the time, but in other, in, in, it has since become very, very important. Um, do a lot of research. Know your market. Try to identify, even before you release, who your um, perfect reader is, like who you're going to be targeting to. And again, that's something that can change. Um, my son-in-law, who I have I have uh, worked with quite a bit in his releasing and his, his publishing career, um, had the idea of what his target reader would look like. He thought it would be a middle-aged man who was maybe, as, as, as my son-in-law says, was kind of a science nerd. And, and no, it's actually women between the ages of 30 and 45. That's who is reading his books. So he, he said to me, I just had no idea. So that's, you know, he's changed his marketing to, um, to reflect that. Um, but know who you're marketing to, at least initially, uh, Try to create your branding as early as possible. Decide what your message is going to be. Decide what uh, what you want people to associate with you. Um, you know that's that's really important because it's harder, it's easier to start out the way you mean to go than it is to change midstream. Um, if you uh, you know decide that you are going to start out as a um, a clean, sweet author and, and you have, that's your branding, it's going to be really hard to switch to somebody who writes erotic romance or, you know, uh, you're, you're going to have some, you're going to lose some readers there. Um, do research into newsletter, uh, programs, decide which one works for you and start to build that list. That list is crucial. Um, you know, talk about, build up your social media presence, uh, and it, it don't, don't constantly be telling people, I have a book, I have a book, I have a book. Talk about yourself, you know, talk about things related to that book. Um, people want to know you. And it doesn't mean you have to share all your secrets. You don't have to go on Facebook every day and tell them everything about your life. You decide how much you want them to see, your readers, and you uh, present yourself in that way. Um, you know, be professional. Uh, we, we had a lot of readers, or a lot of authors, not readers, we had a lot of authors um, during a certain time in this, in this last decade, um, who behaved maybe not quite so professionally and at in-person events and, and at different things, and they're no longer in the business. Um, it really is important. It doesn't mean you have to be stuffy. You know, you don't have to go around, uh, you know, dressed to the T and, and, and not have any fun, but, uh, you know, just, be aware that people are watching. Well, and I, I tell people that, that the moment you publish anything, you're a celebrity, whether you realize what level of celebrity you are, you're a public figure, you're a celebrity. You have to remember that what you say affects things. And we can yeah. all look on the news and places and watch celebrities completely destroy themselves yeah. by, you know, and, and I'm not saying don't have an opinion, but realize it's not your personal opinion anymore. And she was this voice having an opinion or, you know, um, stuff. And it, it makes a difference. And the internet is 
full of people ready to tell you you're wrong in in 2.5 seconds and pick apart. And again, that doesn't mean you have to um, be like I, you know, a robot and only say robotic answers to your point. But you have to remember that this is an image you're creating for everybody out there. And so, what is that image that you want to create? You know, it's you know, don't go down uh, unless you're writing political books for some reason. I would stay the hell away from politics and discussing it. You know, because it does not help you as an author to do that, because I can guarantee you will piss somebody off regardless. Yeah. And, and, you know, um, there is a difference between being um, an open book, no pun intended, uh, where, where you're just spewing every thought that comes to your mind and as you, you know, as you think it um, and being genuine. And I think you can be genuine without sharing everything. Uh, I know, you know, I have a lot of friends who are authors who don't, who are very careful about what they say and how they say it. Um, But that doesn't mean that they're lying. They're just reserving certain things to themselves. They're, they're choosing to keep some things private and that's absolutely fine. You know, um, I've always been very open about my family, about my kids. Um, my granddaughter makes frequent cameos on my, on my social media because she is, you know, she's beautiful and perfect. Um, my, my cats, yes, of course, my cats, my dogs, um, uh, you know, people know that my husband is a priest. Uh, we've actually had, We've actually been in places where um, we've had uh, one of my readers who uh, was sick and in the hospital, and she asked if my husband would come and see her too. So I went, I brought her books, and my husband went and anointed her, you know, like prayed over her and whatever. And she said, this is great. I get two for the price of one. (laughs) So, uh, you know, it is. So, um, you know, in that way, if, if that is helpful to my readers, I don't push anything. I don't have an agenda to push. Um, they, they get a kick out of knowing that, uh, that it's kind of this dichotomy that, you know, father Clint's wife releases sexy books. So, you know, <laughs> yeah. I, I think that's a great story. There's a series in itself right there. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Honey, I'm we, starting to write a book series about us. Don't read it. <laughs> okay, so um, we unfortunately are near the end here. So can you tell people how to find you? How do people find you? What is the best Well, place? first of all, I'm the only Tadra whom I've ever met. So if you just Google Tadra, T-A-W-D-R-A, you will find me. Um, but my website is tadracandle.com. That's candle with a K. Um, and that's the best place to find uh, all my books. My books are all for sale. I have one series that's in Kindle Unlimited. That's not for sale on my website. But other than that, all of my books are available on my website. Also available Amazon, Apple Books, Kobo Books, um, Google Play, Barnes & Noble, and a lot of the the smaller uh, venues too. Uh, Also Walmart. Um, Let's see, on social media, I'm on Facebook. Again, Tadra Candle. Uh, Instagram, which is like my new favorite playground, Tadra. <laughs> and I, I'm just at Tadra. So again, really easy. Um, I'm on Twitter sporadically. I, I go over there when I'm feeling brave. Um, and, uh, <laughs> well, some of my, some of my favorite authors are there. Kristen Higgins hangs out there quite a bit. And, um, Julia, uh, uh, Spencer Fleming hangs out there quite a bit. Um, and so that's, that's why I go over there. 
Um, I have a newsletter that comes out every Friday and it's, it's mostly fun stuff. It's just kind of, this is what's going on in my life. This is, this is what might be for sale. Um, I have these three books coming out at the end of the summer. They're all up and, for pre-order. And what are the names of those three books? Uh, okay. The, the, it's the trilogy is called Diagnosis Love. <laughs> yeah. Diagnosis Love is the trilogy and the books are, um, informed consent internal fixation and intensive care. I have to, <laughs> I have to get those right. Um, and they are a, uh, a medical romance trilogy, uh, all about the same people. So there are, as I said, maybe, maybe a little bit of cliffhanger. Um, and it's set in Florida, set in a small town in Florida and, uh, it's a lot of fun. So not, it, it, they're, they're kind of angsty, but not terribly angsty. They're not the kind of angsty that, you know, will leave you in a puddle. Oh, that's good. Good. Yeah. Working on Team Angst there. Oh, you have been amazing. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Yes. So, um, this has been Great King with Authors, and uh, we will see you next time.